We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 143 We have a couple of news items Nude items, that would have been really good That's that's for the... Saving those for the video podcast, actually uh, and then we'll be talking about our trip to Comic-Con 2012, uh, and then the season premieres of White Collar and Covert Affairs, the series finale of Eureka, and a recent episode of Teen Wolf, uh, plus a couple of TV on DVD picks. You can find the full show notes uh, with time codes for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 143. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Carla Day from TVDiehard.com, Click Clack, and TV Fanatic. And Kyle Nolan from uh, NoReruns.net and TVIsMyPacifier.com. Got two up there. Now you're, you're getting closer, Kyle. Yeah, I just, I, well, I could list my brothers at Baddock.net, but I haven't written for them in like six months, so. All right, so how are you both doing? Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. You back into. Uh, the swing of things after comic-con almost yeah it's a tough first day back to work (laughs) all right a couple of news items that uh popped up over last week while uh, we were gone to comic-con was uh mtv has renewed team wolf for a third season yay and tnt has renewed falling skies for a third season yay i was beginning to doubt that there was the same enthusiasm (laughs) I'm happy about both of those two. Yeah, happy to happy to see both of those uh, get get picked up for another season and uh, and relatively early on in their in their season. So you're you're not waiting around at the end of the season going, "Come on, we know you're picking these up. Just tell us already." Well, and Team yeah. Wolf is getting 24 episodes. Yeah. Come on, I mean that's something to be excited about. Yeah. And are they going to air it all as one third season, or are they going to split it up yeah. as like a all third season? Uh, yeah, but I'm sure they'll air, they'll air like twelve over the summer, and then they'll air some over the winter, and oh, like a split season, maybe. I'm sure that with all that with that many episodes, they'll 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 split it up. But yeah, that's still a it's basically like getting two more seasons. You know, since the first two seasons were thirteen episodes. So. I don't know. The second season of Teen Wolf has like totally rocked. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can come up with next. Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely been good. All right, but we'll talk more about that when we hit the prime time segment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you just slapped me Spoiler. on the wrist. <laughs> uh, so we all were down in San Diego for Comic Con 2012 uh, edition. Lots of stuff going on down there. Pretty much the pop culture fest is what it is. It's, it's everything from comic books to TV, movies, uh, anything genre or sci-fi or, or you know, and, and glee. So, you know, that's the, that's the gamut that it runs. But uh, we were all down there, and we thought we would talk a little bit about uh, what we did. Uh, and so... We'd go through and answer a few questions about our uh, our time down there. And the first thing on our list is, what was your favorite panel? You can uh, of, of the weekend. You can go 
favorite overall, or you could do favorite by day, uh, since sometimes it's hard to pick. Uh, it's really easy for me because I went to absolutely no panels. <laughs> unless you, unless you did like Carla did and went to no panels. So I will say I watched two of them online. The WB um, has put all of their panels online at um, their WB webs Comic Con website, and I watched both Vampire Diaries and Fringe, and they were both really really good. And I'm looking forward to watching Firefly's panel, um, which is also posted online um, on YouTube or Click Clack has it, different places. So I'm going to catch up on the panels this week in the comfort of my own home <laughs> with no people sitting next to me. No standing in lines. Yeah, yeah you don't have to wake up lines. at 4 a.m. to see them. Yeah. No, I get to, you know, just wake up whenever I want and watch them. So sorry, I didn't go to any. So Kyle, yeah, what so, was the best? Yeah, so that was that was kind of the reason why I had you guys on is one of you did mostly press rooms or all press rooms and the other did mostly panels. So it seemed to be a good balance. So, uh, Kyle, what were your favorite panels that you uh, got to see? Um, I didn't do it by day. I mean, just two of the, the ones that I, that I really enjoyed were breaking bad because they brought the entire cast there. Uh, and for some reason, Dean Norris, uh, who plays, uh, the uncle there was dressed as Xena. I have no idea why, but he was the only one in a costume. But I mean, it was great that they that they were able to bring the entire cast for their first year there, and it was just uh, I, I just love that show. It was, it was great to see them, and then being human. Uh, I mean, the two Sams were absolutely hilarious on the stage, just like uh, playing off of one another. So I mean, that was just a, a really fun panel. Yeah, they are they are usually really good. It just shows the uh, the camaraderie they sort of have on the set and how and how the uh, sort of the chemistry on the set works really well. They they really do play well off of each other. So you got a, a least favorite panel, something that you got into, or something that you sat through, waiting for the um, one that you actually wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, I have two of those again. Uh, so least favorite. I mean, I don't think it would be like Cora. I had zero interest in, so I don't think it would be fair to pick that as my least favorite because I was just sitting through that. But I mean, they did have. Uh, Bud Bundy on there, uh, David Faustino doing uh, like a table read and stuff, which was kind of humorous. Uh, although it did get a little boring when they spent like 15 minutes just showing like still pictures of new backgrounds for the new season and new uh, costumes on some of the characters. Uh, but I think the the panel that I that I liked the least was probably Glee. <laughs> Um, I was actually kind of happy when they announced there's still room, and this was like the last panel of the day, and in, in Indigo Ballroom. So I mean, it wasn't even full. Um, it was just like they started off with this really long fan tribute video, which was obviously made from torrented episodes because it had like some things had the global logo in the corner, some things had the Fox logo in the corner, and so and it was created by someone who was outside of the U.S. and Canada. So I'm not sure why they they even showed that thing, uh, but I mean overall it just wasn't very interesting. And it's like a fan video. Yeah, they had some. I think a guy was from like Italy or something, or something like that. Um, I'm not sure how they got it, but this guy put together this video of just like lots of clips of the show and like just set to music and stuff. Um, so they couldn't even afford to professionally put together a, a 
teaser creel or exactly yeah I, and i don't know why because when they started out they didn't say it was from a fan but i'm watching it i'm first i see the global logo i'm like why wouldn't they bother to get some clips without the logo in the corner and then i saw the fox logo on some clips and then i i mean i quickly figured out this wasn't anything that was produced by them <laughs> because it's obvious the person just downloaded episodes and clipped this thing together it sounds like they played a video at the you know the panel for the show that like Fox would ask YouTube to pull down if they saw exactly. it <laughs> if they saw it online then they would <laughs> but yeah, it gets played at the at the panel for the show so that's uh that's pretty funny so they had this panel right after the shameless panel which had all kinds of cursing that wasn't blocked out it made no sense <laughs> that way they should have had it before shameless if they were going to do that but I would have loved to see the Shameless panel. Hopefully they'll post that online or I'll have to just find a YouTube video of it. Yeah, I mean, that one was pretty fun, the the Shameless panel. They didn't have the entire cast. They just had the uh, the two boys, Fiona and um, William H. Macy, I think. Oh, really? That's too bad. Uh, yeah, I think that's all they had. They might have had Justin Chatwin, but I don't remember if he was there. Oh, Justin. Oh, sorry. Was that allowed? <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting all tingly there, Carla? Oh, let's not bring that word back up. <laughs> that was like the word of the con, right? Yeah, this is a, a WB party flashback. Yes. Uh, for me, it's pretty easy to pick my favorite panel of <laughs> of Comic-Con because I went to one. So, At least you liked it, right? Uh, yeah, the, so it was the Sons of Anarchy panel, which was... My first panel of Comic-Con 2012 was also the very last panel of Comic-Con 2012. There was That was the last thing on the schedule. Uh, but, no, they're always really good. But what was great this year is that they brought, like, uh, most of the cast. Like, from previous, previous the last couple of years, that's just been Kurt Sutter, the, you know, the creator and writer of the show, and... And uh, Katie Segal and Charlie Hunnam and Ron Perlman, uh, you know, those are the the main you know core of the show. And but this year they brought the rest, pretty much the rest of the the motorcycle club was uh, was there. And uh, so that was that was pretty cool because they got you know fans got to ask them questions. And the moderator actually did pretty well in that she started off by at least asking everybody a question, so that when they went to fan questions and, you know, normally the questions are only going to go to like a handful of the people. It didn't feel like they were, people had just come out and just were sitting there the whole time. without. But what was funny is it's Sons of Anarchy. It's Kurt Sutter and that cast, the, the swear words were flying. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, no. How many times did they point to their sign? Oh, this says <laughs> there are people under the age of 18. Yeah. But to me, I mean, it's a little different. Like you say, you're sitting there through Shameless to wait for Glee. That's that's one thing. But this was the last panel of the day, and I'm thinking, if you brought your kid <laughs> into Hall H, yeah, Persons of Anarchy, <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> it's not theirs. For uh, well, you know, behind their name cards, it does clearly say it does. There may be people under eighteen in the <laughs> audience, and that they are supposed to be aware of that. And, <clears throat> and, and, so, and one of them read that, <laughs> and, and was like, 
I love how they always read that after they have like this really bad language and discussion. They're like, oh, by the way, did you read this? And then they continue to do it. One of them picked it up and said, "Uh, you know, and read it. And then Charlie Hunnam was like, who gives an F? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think that's what they all do when they read that. No one actually cuts down the language. Well, that was the weird thing on the Shameless one. They were keeping track of their language, but all the clips they showed of Shameless were unbleeped. So it, it, oh, nice. It no sense. <laughs> well, they played the first seven minutes of the season premiere of Sons of Anarchy, but they had to uh, black out a 30-second clip of the video because they couldn't show what was happening on screen, but they left the audio. Oh, nice. (laughs) So so all of a sudden the screen goes black, but you just hear, (laughs) and you obviously know what's going on. And then when Kurt Sutter came out, he explained, uh, uh, what, (laughs) what the scene was that you, in, in relatively explicit language. So it didn't, they might as well have just thrown it up there for a, uh, I think it was almost worse without the video. Like, <laughs> but yeah, that was my uh, my favorite panel, and I don't have a least favorite because I didn't uh, didn't see any others. Just the way my schedule worked out, that was the it was the only one to get to on Sunday afternoon. It was also your favorite because you got a ticket and you didn't have to wait in any line to get. <laughs> yeah, didn't have to wait outside. They actually. Uh, I actually went, well, actually, I went in and sat through, like, the last few minutes of the Cleveland, of the show. Cleveland show, mostly because the panels were running late, so I ended up seeing, like, the end of end of that panel. So I guess I saw, like, a, a panel and a quarter. Uh, so I, I guess the Cleveland show could be my least favorite panel, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, was, Sun- two, but. was the Suns panel full at that point in H? I didn't get a good chance to see how full it got, but it definitely, there was way more people in there when they opened it up for Suns after Cleveland show. Like there was the, for Cleveland show, it was like maybe half full. That's still a lot of people in Hall H. Yeah. But like there was very little people in like the back third of, you know, of the thing. There was like almost nobody in any of those seats. And then sort of in the middle section there was you know it was there was some people and stuff and it and it got you know thicker with people as it went to the front but as people left and then people came in it was i didn't get a chance when the the lights were up to really see but it was pretty full back like just as far as you could see behind me from where i was sitting it filled in pretty well for the last panel of the day uh on a sunday in hall h which is a and they didn't take down a bunch of chairs this year like they did last year. Which, yeah, I think they learned their yeah, lesson. Which was the dumbest thing I ever heard. It's like, who, who cares? Just leave them there. Well, especially with Fringe and Doctor Who, those things like really packed that room. Well, you might as well get as I mean, because I'm sure there are people that wanted to get in those that didn't. Because I, from what I understand, there was a line all morning, right? Yeah, the problem is they they didn't start seating everyone until 30 minutes before the first panel, and oh. so the room wasn't even full for Fringe, and they weren't letting people in for some reason. Is they started too late filling the room because people oh, that's a problem in, in the middle of Fringe, and they missed like the opening video that they had because they had stopped letting people in for a while. 
Well, that's too bad. They Sometimes they don't do very well. Even, like, at the beginning, like, with the first panel of the day, you're like, seriously? You're, you're not letting people in yet? You know how long it takes to fill, like, Hall H or Ballroom 20, you know? It's like, that's, like, yeah. over 6,000 people. Like, I mean, that takes... Especially when they have them where, you know, where the lines are all filtered around and stuff like that. And, and Hall H, it goes across the street. And so they have to stop traffic and people crossing the street to let the line filter across the street, you know. So they need to give it better better time sometimes. They they don't – and you're just like – sometimes you're like, and how many years have you been doing this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and you still start people loading into the room like too late for stuff. Plus, for the fringe, they were handing you like an observer hat when you walked in, so that slowed the line even more because <laughs> they had to like pull those out as each person walked in. Those hats were pretty darn cool, though. I got one. I'm very excited about it. Okay, so now we'll go to the next question on the list: is what was your favorite press room? I know what, mine. <laughs> we know <laughs> Kyle is like the reverse of me on the, on the press rooms, so it'll be easy for him to choose his favorite one uh but we'll start with carla what was uh your favorite press oh man press rooms that's really hard fringe was awesome i mean it was the last you know um comic-con for them and there were some teary eyes i have to admit i almost you know i was i'm a little embarrassed to admit but like i my eyes even started like watering one point i was like okay like this is the press room you can't like get upset but um <laughs> You know, but I mean, it was like to listen. Well, yeah, and well, the worst was I looked at and I was fine most of the time, but then all of a sudden I looked at another table that a friend was at, and she was like welling up. You could tell because she, I think they were talking to Jessica at the time, and I was like, no, look away, look away, you know, because it was just really, um, they, they, this is the first time they really know what's going to happen. In the past, they hadn't been told. So they know what the final season is going to be and what's going to happen to the characters. Not that they let us in on it, but, um, you know, they're starting to film um, today, I believe. So they were, you know, going directly to Vancouver to film. So, um, you know, it was really heartfelt. And, you know, I'm a huge Fringe fan. So, yeah, that one was... It's one that I'll probably remember for the longest time, but um, Nikita was really good. I love talking to them. They're great. For a new show, I really, um, I love talking. I didn't really care for the pilot as far, I, it was an okay pilot. I'm not sure if it's a show for me, but talking to six, the, guy, the people from 666 Park Avenue, especially the creators, I'm more intrigued by it now. Um, it's not going to be a procedural, so, you know, that can't oh, but um, they were all pretty good. I mean, everyone was really nice and got some really good insight, and, you know, it's nice to sit across from, you know, these actors that and actresses that you really admire, and, you know, I, in particular, I like talking to EPs, too, because they know what's going on, so... Once Upon a Time was really good. I talked to the EPs and they told me, uh, and you can check out the video we posted later this week at Quebec, but I kind of posed a theory about something and they're like, what question? And saying that, like, they wouldn't give us an answer, but you could tell by what their non-answer was, which was kind of fun. I don't know. They were all really good. Yeah, I think overall... Except the I, I think <laughs> I think overall, for the most part, the press rooms ran overall better than last year 
uh, the at least the, the yeah. ones that I were in for the most part. There were there were a couple, but uh, we'll go over to uh, the worst press room. Yeah, what yeah, the it? worst press room. I'm not going to say what it was just because of a, I <laughs> professionally don't think that it's probably something on a podcast, but I'll say it was the worst one room. That I it was almost as bad as last year, which was last year. Um, in the ways it was worse. You know, halfway through the classroom, they're like, oh, no more video. Um, and it's, I don't know if it was, it was handlers or the um, actors who all of a sudden didn't want to be on camera, um, even though they did the video press line, uh, didn't get the opportunity to talk to the executive producer, even though that person uh, was kind of just wandering around most of the time. So uh, it was really disappointing because, it you know, it's a show that I really, really love. And I really and I left another press room to get to that, to this one. So basically I got nothing out of it. So that was really <laughs> But it will be for a show that has to be named. All right, Kyle, what was your favorite press room? <laughs> I think out of all the ones I attended, I think it would have to be the sci-fi press room. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> So that was my first and only press room I've ever done was the sci-fi one, and it was great. I mean, it was actually somewhat I, – I was afraid it was going to be harder to do than, like, these Q&A calls, but it's actually somewhat easier because you're not up to a gun. Like, you don't know when they're going to call your name, and, and you have to suddenly jump in with a question. Um, so, I mean, here you're at a table with a bunch of other people all asking questions, so – I got to talk to uh, several of the Alpha's actors as well as the EP um, and Eddie and Joanne from Warehouse 13, which was just a, a hilarious time with the two of them. And he's always like just way out there. There's, uh, I have videos posted on my site of of that. Um, and then also the EP of Warehouse 13 as well as Anna Frick, the um, EP of uh, – being human. The one disappointment was we were the next table that was going to get uh, the trio from uh, being human, and then they cut them off because there wasn't any time. So I, I think it would have been a blast to talk to them, but uh, we just didn't get any get a chance to talk to them. The Warehouse 13 part of the sci-fi, that was good because they brought in when they brought in Eddie and Joanne, they sat them down at our table first, so we got so we got them before and you know they didn't make it down to you know the table on the other side like the being human people didn't make it down to where we were uh so that that worked out good um i think uh some of my favorite press rooms were for the like the new shows for like Colt and Arrow and uh, 666 Park Avenue and the following just cuz uh well there wasn't much to there was a little bit to talk to about the actors and you know it was cool to sit across the table from Kevin Bacon for 5 minutes uh for the following but what was cool is when the like the creators or executive producers of the show you know and the writers of the show came came through and you got to talk to them about where the idea for their show came from and you know get an idea for where things might go and what type of show they you know they envision it being uh those were really interesting to uh uh to to talk with and uh and so that I'm was a, i'm envious that you were an arrow in the following i didn't get in those so well i didn't get into once upon a time so you know it, it all <laughs> it all exactly. it all evens out it's so funny but yeah i think uh 
those were probably my favorite. I mean, the favorite moment probably was, you know, when uh, <laughs> was when I asked uh, Eddie McClintock for some fake spoilers for the new season. Um, that was pretty good because Eddie went where exactly where you would think Eddie would go <laughs> with something like that. Uh, yeah, Kyle said he's already got the video posted. I'll have the video posted from that soon too. But uh, basically, just tempt you to go look at it or to watch it once it comes out is his spoiler has to do with aisle 69 of the warehouse so we'll just leave it there <laughs> um and then uh least favorite press room <laughs> i won't say that this is the same press room that carla was talking about <laughs> but i'm pretty sure that it is i was glad that i didn't leave the previous press room because they didn't they didn't start till you know I got there like 15 minutes late and they still hadn't started yet so I was able to get you know stuff from the revolution press room that I was in that was also confusing in that the revolution press room was supposed to have been in the same room as the well I, the the disappointing part was I don't I don't get the no video at the tables thing I don't really understand that I mean cuz they just went down the video line and and stood in front of a camera, so I don't really understand it. But I don't care if they say that. I only care <laughs> if they don't tell you when you come in. Like, everybody comes in and sets up, and you're sitting there waiting, and then they came around and said, no more video. And so that was kind of weird. Uh, and then we ran out of time, and we didn't get to talk to a lot of the, the cast that was there. Um, but that's what happens with a popular show, though. That's just... The, the type of thing that happens uh, at Comic-Con with the press rooms for... That would have been mine. Also, Falling Skies did no video, but at least they told us at the beginning of it, so we didn't, like, set everything up. And, uh, uh... But that one was a little disappointing in that they only used, like, a half hour of their hour. They started, like, 15 minutes late, and then they rotated everybody through really fast, and then, like, 15 minutes before it was supposed to be done, we were done. And you were like, we could have got, like, two or three minutes more with everybody. So, but for the most part, uh, everything ran really, really pretty well. You know, the one thing that, one other one that I'd like to mention that, because it, it, it wasn't a press room in the same regard with like round tables, but I got the opportunity to go to the Science Channel's um, 10th anniversary Firefly press room. Um, it was kind of set up like a press conference with uh, all the cast that was there up front and again it was no video because um, they're going to be showing it on the science channel but it was amazing to be in like a small room with you know Josh Whedon and Nathan Fillion and you know the rest of the cast um, and hear them kind of answer questions and stuff so since I didn't get to go to the panel for that I mean the lines were just crazy uh, you know in a way this was much more intimate and uh, interesting um, experience to go through. So I'm looking forward to that being on TV. Yeah, that's uh, actually uh, one of the that's one of the answers to the last question on our list for the <laughs> Comic Con uh, uh, recap here. Um, so we'll move on to the the next question: Is uh, what's the favorite thing you did? Uh, you know, event, party, or something that you went to, you know, outside of, you know, press rooms and panels. Uh, how about you, Carla? I'd probably say that the two things. One, I went to 
uh, Nerd HQ for the second Chuck panel that they um, did because they oversold it and we had standing room only tickets. But um, that was just amazing. I wish I would have been able to spend some more time in Nerd HQ. It's a great event outside of San Diego Comic-Con. And it's, you know, for charity and something that you don't even need a Comic-Con badge to do. Um, which I like. And then as far as parties, uh, I probably have to go with the big WB party. Um, I was really happy to be able to attend that and got the opportunity to speak with, um, you know, in a more casual environment, someone like Kevin Williamson about the following and, um, Mr. Amel, you know, Mr. Arrow, um, in his, in his Aquaman t-shirt. Yes, and his bright orange Aquaman t-shirt, so you couldn't miss where he was. No matter where you were in the party, you always knew where he was. Um, you know, I had good food, drink, a lot of, you know, we sat, I sat in a couch section right next to everyone from Fringe. Um, so, you know, that was kind of, it was kind of fun and um, something I'll probably never get to experience again. So, um, I'd probably go with the WB party. How about you, Kyle? And so for me, I only officially attended one party, but I could have, I was almost at the Dexter party if I just opened up my hotel room door. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could hear it and I could see it. Um, but I'll go with the NBC party since that's the one I, I was actually attended. Um, and so, I mean, overall, I didn't really talk to any of the celebrities that were mo- uh, walking around the room, but I did get a chance to like meet up with some fellow bloggers and, and just get to talk with them. So, I mean, that was nice. It's always good to actually have some time that you can actually talk to these people and everyone's in the same place instead of uh, spread out and trying to hunt and find people at different press rooms and things. Yeah, I think uh, I think probably... The uh, the Warner Brothers party is pretty much the highlight of of the thing because they bring everybody that you know every cast member you know writer producer for all the shows for all the panels that they're doing on Friday and Saturday they have them all there Friday night uh, for the party and so you can just you can sit back and just people watch <laughs> and or you can go up and just you know, talk to pretty much anybody you want want to. If uh, and you know, I was sitting, you know, on the same couch as Kevin Bacon as he was uh, eating some sliders. You know, for, for he was a couple people down on on the couch. So it's just sort of like this weird uh, environment of you know, a time to also, like Kyle said though, to hang out with fellow TV bloggers and 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 people that you you know you chat with online, you know, via Twitter or or Facebook or stuff like that, but actual chance to chat face to face for a while uh, is is always pretty good. And uh, but yeah, I think the the WB party of of all the all the events, it's they put on a pretty good uh, they put on a pretty good spread, and they have everybody everybody there. So that that one was that one was definitely the highlight for for me, as well as but then also the other just fun stuff was like dinner with. Uh, dinner with friends the you know, the night before on Wednesday, and and dinner with friends on Sunday to to close out. Uh, you know where it's a little more relaxed, and you're just you know, you know you're sitting at a table with uh, you know, napkins and forks and knives, and 
Actually able to have a full meal. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you're not you're not walking around with little plates or <laughs> or whatnot. Just uh, so yeah, that is always a highlight for me as well too. Is uh, is you get a chance to talk to talk to people that you don't get to chat with a lot. Uh, you know, in a, a quieter environment than at one of these parties where you know the music's blaring and and stuff. So that's also. Uh, so, uh, speaking of fun, what was the funniest thing you saw, uh, over the course of the weekend, Carla? Oh my gosh, the funniest thing. Um, okay, well, I don't know if, if everyone will think this is funny, but, um, on Saturday night after we got back from, you know, doing whatever it was that we did on Saturday night, um, I was staying at the Omni, which is one of the hotels really close to the convention center and a lot of celebrities in that stay there. And so um, we decided there was a bench out front or there's a few benches. So we decided we were just going to like sit on the bench and watch as just people come back from whatever they're doing. And um, some of the celebrities were at the EW party, which is like the biggest celebrity party of Comic-Con now that sci-fi didn't have one this year. And, um, so the funniest thing was first when we walked up to the building, um, there's a group of people kind of by the building. And then you see these three big hotel like security people or like I don't even know what their job was, but blocking people from taking pictures like paparazzi from taking pictures. And it turns out it was the guys from Sons of Anarchy. And or someone from and um, oh, his name is escaping me. He played Hellman or Hell. Yeah, he's from Sons of Anarchy. Uh, the oh. guy who was in Beauty and the Beast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ron he was Perlman. there. Yeah. Ron Perlman. Yeah. So then Ron Perlman ends up going inside and he's just sitting in the inside lobby and people kept coming up. But the funniest part was the fact that um, there are these autograph hounds. And they, like, carry around all these, I'm guessing they're, like, snapshots, you know, of celebrities. And they chase after them to get them to autograph. And they just, like, are throwing them in front of them. And this hotel security is trying to get them to go away. And and it was just really interesting to watch this and to know that these aren't fans. These are people that are trying to get autographs. They're being a nuisance and just to make money. And there was a lady across the street um, by the parking garage that had about 15 boxes. She's in a chair with a big blanket on her. And when they would be on their phones and find out who was coming, they'd run to her, grab the pictures out of there. And we saw this after we were sitting there like an hour of the whole process. They'd grab the pictures and then they'd be running down the street after whoever was going to be coming like next. And I just found the whole process to be really hilarious. And like... (laughs) You know, I mean, we were just kind of sitting there as, like, outsiders, just kind of taking it all in. But, um, like, it gave me a new perspective on what a celebrity, like, has to go through. Because I'm not used to seeing paparazzi or autograph hounds or, you know, these type of people. So, um, you know, and it was interesting to see who was given some privacy and who wasn't. Um you know, so anyways, that I would say that was probably the funniest thing I saw, just because it just blew my mind that these people like <laughs> that. That's what their job was. Yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it was part of Comic-Con I'd never seen before. I mean, of course, there's the funny dogs that ride cars and, you know, and costumes and stuff like that. But that was the one thing that kind of stuck with me and just found odd and made me chuckle. What about you, Kyle? Speaking of making me chuckle, uh, there was, uh, when I was in line for the Firefly the panel, I don't, that wasn't the first one of the day, whatever that that lineup was that day i was in line since 4 a.m that day uh but then like a few hours into the into it i saw like the, this guy wandering around looking for someone and apparently his friend told them look for me i'm the one in the jane hat <laughs> meanwhile oh, no. if, if you look at the firefly line <laughs> catch me at least 50 to 100 people wearing a jane hat so this guy was looking everywhere, didn't know where to go, because that was the only instruction he was given to who, how to find his friend. So that was uh, hilarious. Yeah, pretty funny. Some of the the funnest things or the funniest things that I saw were, well, as I mentioned before, uh, Eddie McClintock with the the fake spoiler was pretty funny. But uh, uh, walking around the the convention center, the funniest thing I saw was on the last day. As I was headed over to go to the Sons of Anarchy panel, there was a there was a woman dressed up as Poison Ivy, and she had, you know, she she pulled off the costume pretty well, and uh, but you know she had the cleavage going and and stuff, and she was taking <laughs> she was taking a picture, and she turned around, and there was another guy who was like, "Can I get a picture?" And she was like, "Sure." So she does her you know pose, and the guy starts to take uh, a picture. But instead of taking like the, a camera shot like straight ahead, all of a sudden you see his his hand go up, and he's taking like this shot that's obviously <laughs> of her cleavage. Uh, and when she sees him move the camera, she covers herself with her hands. <laughs> and I was just I just started laughing because I was like, really, you're gonna wear that costume around, and now you're gonna get modest when somebody actually takes a picture of what you're showing off uh that was just uh that was just one of those funny slash creepy <laughs> sort of <laughs> things that uh that happened and then the other funny thing was at the NBC party with they were taking the these flip book photos with the uh, the monkey from community Annie's and, boobs uh, yeah or or the the monkey from animal practice, which I'm sure NBC would rather you think of it as <laughs> right now. Um, but they were having it take take pictures, and what I thought was funny was when it was a female that the monkey was on his shoulder, the trainer was telling it, telling the monkey to give give them a kiss. and and uh, But when there was a guy standing there, <laughs> the trainer would tell him to whack him on the head. <laughs> and the monkey would just start whacking him on the head. Uh, but it was it was pretty funny to to watch the reactions and then to see the the little flip books were pretty cool. That it you know takes like twenty rapid shots over a, you know a short period of time and and when you flip through it, it it's it's pretty funny. As uh, but yeah, that was uh, those were the some of the funniest things that I saw over uh, over the course of the weekend. I didn't see this actually there, but um, I saw the panel from Fringe, and Joshua Jackson's reaction to spilling water on his pants—that um, was pretty funny. I don't yeah, know I had that on my that panel. 
I had that on my list. Yeah, that, that, yeah, because basically he spilled some water on himself, and then he preemptively said, "If I stand up, I did not pee myself." Like, yeah. Everyone knew, and then later when he stood up, he was like holding the hat in front of his his uh, lower waist uh, just to block it. So, yeah, he was all paranoid about people thinking that he peed himself. <laughs> so, anyways, that that was pretty funny, even though I saw it when I got back home. Yeah, and also when when they first announced him, everyone in the audience was cheering like ducks, 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 or the quack, 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 quack from uh, Mighty Ducks. I love that up. movie. Okay, so speaking of things you didn't get to see until later, what what are the things that uh, what type of things did you miss uh, that you wish you uh, had gotten to see? Start with you, Carla. The thing I missed the most was the press rooms being in the convention center. I was the floor Wednesday night during preview night, and I never made it back to the convention center um, till Sunday. And I went over there for like half hour and just kind of walked around the the floor again. But because the press rooms were all the way over in the Hilton Bayfront, it made it impossible really to just jump into a panel, which I did last year. Some, you know, if I had a few hours free, like I went to the wake panel last year, and you know, I would just find something. You know, I'd walk around and find something that was open and check it out. Yeah, you could but, jump into even like a smaller panel or something like exactly. that, that uh... yeah like awake was small so i did that and like i did ncisla press room last year and the panel was immediately after and it was right across the hall so i could just jump into the panel whereas you know it was a good probably 30 minute walk from the press rooms at the hilton bayfront to get to any panel um other than hall h uh, and you didn't know if you would be able to get in. So when you're talking about an hour that you have to give yourself just to get from point A to point B, it really cut out the opportunity or even the risk that you want to, you know, walk all the way over there and not be able to get into anything. So um, it, that's why I didn't really do any panels. So I just miss not being able to do panels in general, even if it was something small and, you know, not necessarily even something I really was on the top of my list. It's still... Like, I felt like I wasn't at the convention a lot of the time. Yeah, that that, that was one thing about the uh, – well, I like the press rooms being consolidated, kind of. It made it easy – it made it a little easier with scheduling to go from one press room to another when they were all relatively near each other. But the thing I miss was, you know, in previous years, you're walking from one side of the convention center to the other to get to, from one press room to another – and you're missing all the atmosphere of people in their costumes and everything else that's going on. And it's true. You kind of felt like you just went right by the convention center. Because I went to the convention center to pick up my badge on Wednesday. And I didn't step foot back in there again until about 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, exactly. That's about the same. And, and it, you know, if I'm going to do something like that, then now I have to wonder, am I better off just going to TCA? You know, instead of going to Comic-Con, if it's going to be so separate, I mean, I don't know. Maybe do not, less press rooms next year? Yeah, what about I don't you, know. Kyle? Uh, so for me, the two of the things I can think of that I that I missed that I would have liked to have seen were um, they had like a mini Goonies reunion before they showed the Goonies on the extra stage outside. Uh, so they had cool. like Mikey Mouth and Chunk there. So I was there, but I was tired, and there was some terrible stand-up comedian on the stage, and you would have had to sit on the ground to watch the movie. So I, I just ended up leaving. I didn't know that they were actually going to have a bunch of cast members out there. Um, yeah, I didn't know then, they were doing that. What's that? 
Oh, I said I didn't. I, I might have made a more of an effort to go if I would have known there was. I thought it was they were just showing the movies. So, yeah, like I, you, if I would have known, I maybe would have tried to make it over there. I had heard some rumblings about Sean Astin might be there, but I didn't know they were actually going to pull out like more cast members and do like a mini reunion there. Um, it just says a lot for how bad that stand-up comedian was. Why I didn't want to st- <laughs> yeah, stand exactly. around for forty-five minutes and wait for him. Um, and then the Walking Dead escape probably would have been fun to do, but I didn't get a chance to do that. Yeah, I think for me is the like I said is the chance to be able to walk into some panels or, or you know go to some panels. Uh, there, I mean, there was the opportunity like if I wanted to get up super early and then stand in line and get in to see like maybe one or two panels at the beginning of a day, but then you're rushing from, you know, there to get to the, to where the press rooms were. And, and then you're up, you know, an extra, you know, like four or five hours. Uh, but that's what I did on that Saturday. Cause I just saw the first two panels and I went over to the sci-fi press room. So I was up at four, yeah. saw, saw the, um, I forget what two panels. It was Once Upon a Time and Warehouse Thirteen and Once Upon a Time. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And then I went over to the Sci-Fi Press Room after that. There were just some of those for like the bigger ones that I didn't. But then in the other times where I had like gaps, you know, in in time of an hour and a half or an hour, there was there was no way to fill in. Of you know, like I even you know we mentioned on the previous podcast about a handful of like smaller TV related panels that uh you know that would have been not necessarily easy to get into but you had a chance to get into them without you know standing in line forever uh and so you know some of those things would have been cool to go uh sit in and and stuff like that that didn't so missing out on a lot of the 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 going to some of the panels and the the sort of the overall convention experience because i mean even like the last day i walked i walked from my hotel all the way down past the omni and around and across the bridge over to the bayfront and so i like didn't even walk through the the front of the convention center you know i like completely went around uh and so you you did miss some of that comic-con experience uh by doing that and then some of the other things would have been like going to like the Firefly panel or or the press room since apparently uh, I know a whole bunch of people that basically just went to the press room that weren't on the list originally and they let them in. So, Oh, really? That's – no wonder it was crowded. It was like packed that, full. That apparently they, they, let, they were letting anybody that was around there with a press badge pack into the room. Uh, so I wish I would have known that because then I would have – I probably – because I actually had – I think I was free during that period of time where they were doing that that press room. So that was another thing that I missed that I would have liked to have uh, that I would like to have seen. That would have been pretty good. But uh, I think that about wraps up our uh, recap of what we did and what Comic Con was like this year for us. And but yet still totally going back next year, <laughs> even you know even with the things that. There's always new problems that arise. Like this year with the press rooms all in one place, it it created a different thing that you sort of have to get used to if they're going to continue to to do that. Although on another scale on things I missed is uh, Wi-Fi at at the hotel. Oh, my God. That was horrible. That was absolutely horrible. They've got free Wi-Fi throughout the convention center. While it's not always the greatest, 
it is still there and does work good in places and you know better in other places than in some but you have access to it but since the press rooms were at the hotel they didn't have any free wi-fi set up because obviously the hotel doesn't want anybody to that's staying at the hotel to be able to get access to free wi-fi when they want them to pay twenty dollars a day to get wi-fi in their rooms or in the hotel or whatever so that was that was kind of lame uh, well, and the phone connection was really bad, so <laughs> it, it adds to like it added to the disconnected feeling because I basically didn't tweet or check Twitter or like I had no idea what was going on. Like in, last year, I would have checked like the SDCC the hashtag just to kind of see what was going on, what the line situation was, you know, find out what funny jokes were said, and you know, even in the press rooms, you couldn't do that because there was just no way really to um check yeah in the middle of the hotel the 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 cell signal didn't uh, for most people didn't work very well and i was included in that so so if you're out there and you were you saw me tweet something like send in your questions for such and such a panel and then you uh, in the morning and then you never heard from me again until like six o'clock at night that's the reason is because i had no idea until i got there there were a couple times where like later on i like looked and i was like oh somebody sent me a question for <laughs> to ask at the the press room that was two hours ago awesome uh but yeah couldn't couldn't get couldn't tweet out photos uh so i that that's something that i'll be doing probably over like the next week is just like tweeting out photos on my phone that i would have tweeted out each day you know uh throughout the day that was uh that was definitely something i missed i missed having a cell phone connection and wi-fi in the press rooms that was another flaw in the system so we'll move on to the uh, primetime segment, uh, and the first show on the list is White Collar, Season 4, Episode 1, Wanted, the season premiere. So what did you think? I liked the premiere in general, um, but I had a real problem with what Peter did in the episode. Um, Peter's not stupid. He's never been portrayed as stupid, and all of his actions in that episode from following, um, oh, I, I'm having a mental block on her name, the the person in Witsag, to um, creating a map that shows where um, Neil is and leaving it, you know, at his house, even though he knows he's being watched, um, to making the phone call. All of that was just it. It didn't make any sense to me why Peter needed to get in touch with Neil at that time, and then why he was so careless about keeping that private. Um, I, You know, it was probably just to move the story along so that Neil could get found in the first episode and so that they could end up getting him back to New York. But there had to have been a better way than making Peter just look like an idiot. Yeah, I didn't particularly like that one aspect of it that they uh... – like I, I would, I could totally see Peter working on it on his own time, trying to figure out where he is. But then to totally do like that last thing, where he circles on the map, you know, uh, you could have known where he was without circling it on the map or saying exactly what it was. And so having Neil get found by the person that you know you don't want to find him, you know, he's trying to find him first. Uh, right. To figure out a way to get him back before this other person he figured would somehow probably ultimately track him down 
and it would be dangerous for Neil. So I get all that, but then having it come out and then having it end up being that Neil, you know, that that Peter is the one that basically helps him find uh, where where he's at uh, was a little, you know, didn't quite work. But overall, I really liked the episode in that is in that it didn't clean everything up though. Like so many of the cliffhangers on white collar over the first three seasons have been just like almost even just brushed aside as the new episode starts, you know, like (laughs) it's not even a big deal or anything. And so this one, I like that it basically takes the first three episodes for them to reset things uh, and, and get things sort of back to somewhat normal. And so I thought that the stakes were a lot bigger and the, it didn't just get cleaned up in the in the first episode. Sure, they uh, find out where he is or whatever, but it doesn't. You know, it's, by the end of the first episode, they're not bringing you know Neil back, you know, right. <laughs> like, and, and starting on a new case or something. So I really like that that it gave the him being on the run and stuff like that and what happened uh, much. You know, it was it was much more serious, much. Uh, uh, than, uh, than in past things where you know, in the first five minutes it, it, they clean up the thing and just sort of move along. It would have been so easy to fix, too. I mean, Peter knew he was being watched. So the only hope I had during the episode was when Collins actually found the map. I was like, oh, I bet they planted, like, a fake location. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was excited for that and then figured eventually Collins would, you know, track down what Peter – where they really were somehow – you know, that would have been just even if they would have just done that and gave so that Peter kind of gave some misdirection would have made it seem like it was a typical, you know, Peter Neal con plan that they do all the time. Um, whether it worked or not, it would have seemed more um, appropriate for the show, you know, and in a way it would have been kind of nice for, you know, a manipulation they were trying to do to not work. And that's how Peter got caught. But they just didn't even – it was like they were like, eh, we're not even going to bother. We're just going to, you know, take the easy route. And that bothered me. The problem with it was that Collins has all the same resources that Peter has. So, I mean, even if Peter was to go book a flight or something like that, he could easily find out where Peter's going even if he didn't find a circled map on the the table. He would be able to, to find out any of this information. It's not like he can really hide it when he starts traveling. Right. So, I mean, he could have always found him anyway, but yeah, it would have been better if they had done it as like a, a caper type of Exactly. Thing. All right. That's a uh, white color onto uh, covert affairs. Season three, episode one, hang on to yourself. The season premiere. Now, did everyone else see it coming as soon as she said, Oh, I forgot my umbrella. Yeah. To me, that was like so obvious what was going to happen next. Uh, well, I was glad that I watched before having seen any promos or anything like that. Oh, I yeah, didn't see I any promos. I hadn't seen any promos because, when I watched it. Well, I knew what was going – what was a – I didn't really know going into it that somebody – I hadn't seen really much about, you know, that somebody was going to die or or any of that type of stuff. But as soon as, you know, she went to back to get her umbrella or was taking a little time to, like, leave a tip and stuff like that – you knew something was about to happen. But what I thought was really lame was when I saw the promos later and they showed the car exploding. 
you know, like, and they tell you that somebody's going to die, that yeah, when you're watching obvi- it, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as he walks in, you know, long before she stops to get her umbrella, that that's, that that's who it is. And so while it wasn't an o- total spoiler, like, like you didn't know before you watched it, as soon as you started watching it, it was, it was easily uh, telegraphed of, of what it, you know, what it was going to be. But I think it creates interesting stakes for the show. Like it definitely sort of levels things up on uh, on on the show on what they're doing. Uh, when you take a you know what who, somebody that's been a full time you know character and uh, blow them up, and then that causes a big shakeup uh, throughout the with you know Augie being tasked with something else and them all being, you know, split apart. Uh, I think it makes for, you know, lots of interesting intrigue with what's going on there within uh, whatever, you know, mystery sort of case of the week type of thing that they have them tasked with. Yeah, and I like the the new characters they've introduced, like her new boss, uh, Lena Smith, who was on 20, uh, Sarah Clark, who was on, 24 so it's good to see her again in another spy type of of role so i'm interested in seeing where that goes and because they've just given some hints of what her past is and that she her agents get a little roughed up and so it should be interesting and then uh the guy from coupling there uh uh as her new i guess target slash fake love interest for a little bit it should be interesting to see him I found the premiere made me really sad um, and not because of the car exploding, which is what you would think would be sad. They never, they, the show never really knew what to do with his character. So um, I think, you know, the show's probably better off um, without him and, and creating a mystery out of it, you know, and a long, long um, multi-episode arc is pretty good. But um, I'm really sad about Annie. I mean, at the end of that episode, um, and I, and I'm actually a little scared for her because this relationship with Lena is just um, it it doesn't look like it's going to be a healthy one. But when Annie walked into that shower, I just like my heart broke for her because she, you know, she made a choice in that moment that um, is not one that Annie from any you know previously to that would have made um and then to see you know in the following episode you know where that you know what happens but um it made me really sad and i i'm i don't know we'll have to see what happens but um i did ask in a conference call about um i asked piper paraboo about that and she said there's gonna be long far-reaching consequences to that decision so i'm glad that they're not just kind of brushing it under the rug if her character is going to be you know if annie's going to be making that decision um there should be consequences and see how it plays out so i'm interested to see how it plays out but it made it made me sad that they went you know for for her I think it's just showing that she's now learning what she has to do as part of this spy role. There's like the stakes are getting higher and she's got to make some more tough decisions as part of this new team. 
Yeah, definitely did seem a little out of, you know, out of character from what you've seen, but I think all the way around everything that's happened in the first episode sort of raises it sort of raises the stakes all the way around. And while there was still some fun, you know, and some action within the episodes, I think that here at the beginning of season 3, they've created more stakes for what's going on. It just, uh, I don't know, it seems more interesting, you know, and, like, looking forward to seeing more about, you know, where it's going. You know, within the first couple seasons, it was just sort of, you know, it was fun to to watch, you know, and stuff like that. But I think they've, I don't know, I, I don't know, I think they've created a storyline here that, that the, the way everything is, is working uh, in the first couple episodes, that it... Uh, it definitely brings more intrigue into the show, and, and it just seems more serious and uh, and just a better show. I think I think they're just doing a better job uh, here in season three to open up than they've done previously. Yeah, just because it seems like each of these characters has like a almost like a second level now to their to their job. Like Augie's got his he's doing some investigation while also taking on this bigger job, and she's also now in this bigger role. So. It definitely is, like, amping things up for these characters. Well, and don't get me wrong. I love the new tone and direction of the show. I think it's great that it's going this direction. I'm just, like, I, I'm sad for the character of Annie. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to be brilliant, you know? And, yeah. it, I mean, it's well done. It's, I mean, it's definitely darker in tone, which is probably a good thing. It just going forward, I really hope that they address that decision. And, you know, we've spent all this time with this Annie Walker that's fun, loving, you know, um, kind of an easy spirit. And now to see her going in this direction, it's a little heartbreaking to watch. But it's going to be, I think it's going to be brilliant TV. Yeah, I definitely think they've, uh, as I think a, a bunch of shows have done what I've, what I'm calling is they've they've leveled up on from a previous season to the next season. Like they've really taken things up up a level on uh, uh, with with where they're heading, which is very I think very good thing to see. You know, two, three, four seasons into a show where it's <laughs> it's not just stuck in whatever. They continue to uh, create excitement and uh, deep into the show. That's that's pretty impressive. The next thing on our list, uh, speaking of sad, <laughs> is uh, Eureka uh, season five or yeah season five. Uh, gosh, I got that <laughs> messed up all on. It. It's season five, episode thirteen. Just another day. Uh, apparently, I can't type on my outline. But the series finale of Eureka, which I thought was just, I don't think they could have done a better ending to the show it gave everybody a good ending but then also left it as you know it's just another day that stuff was going to continue to happen these characters were going to continue to you know have wacky adventures and and stuff like that but uh but yet gave you good closure to you know all these characters that you spent five seasons with yeah, I thought they did a good job, especially given the the circumstances and the short notice they had to actually 
write the whole thing. I mean, you, you can sense the bitterness in several several quotes. Like a, a couple of them are funny, but then it's like uh, it just keeps going on. Like we paved the way for those guys. Our numbers were good, and like at least it gave us six more weeks to wrap things up. And like there are all those like little digs, but. Uh, well, six but, more weeks to wrap it up, but then all of a sudden it's like, but they're here today to move us out. Yeah. <laughs> or or just Fargo, like, doing the sit-in, like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, in in general, I thought that was, it, it was well done. And they did manage to pull in everyone uh, and and give everyone some kind of, some kind of ending. But also, like you said, they also set it up so that if for some reason later in the in the future they want to revisit some of this stuff or it's still like the town of Eureka is still around and they're still doing what they were doing. So they can always work this into other things or crossover like into Warehouse 13 maybe if they want to do that again sometime. Or Yeah, I think uh, they they definitely did a good job in and just the way that it wraps up with right, you know with leaving Eureka, you know, <laughs> as they're driving out of town and, and, you know, dad, did you just see what I saw? And he's like, yeah, I'll deal with that tomorrow. You know, it's just like, and then you see the leaving Eureka sign and it fades to black. I think, you know, that's just a, a nice circle of, uh, you know, of from the beginning to ending the show. And, uh, you know, and within that they left all, you know, all the couplings, in, in place, uh, they brought things back from previous seasons to help close out, uh, you know, how the town gets saved and, and just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, and bringing in some of the side characters, you know, like Matt Fuhrer and stuff like that to, you know, have them appear in the, in the episode. I just thought, you know, for a, sh- you know, on short notice in only having one 42 minute episode, I just thought it was great. And somehow they they squeezed in a cameo with Grant from MythBusters, which seemed to have no purpose whatsoever. But he showed up in there for a second. I I loved it. I thought everything you said is, you know, it was really good. So I'm sad to see it go, but in a way, I I think it was almost time for it to go. I mean, I of course I would have liked it to have the shortened last season, um, and they probably could have done more with it. But I'm okay with it ending when it did. Um, despite all the, you know, the the, pol- the politics and network stuff, I mean, that sucked. But as a fan, it was a satisfying ending. Yeah, and I'm happy it was still good when it ended, unlike some shows <laughs> that just keep going on and on and, like, <coughs> The Office. <coughs> why, why? Oh, sorry. Uh, why, uh, like, just end it while it's still at, at the top of its game rather than having people, like, why is this thing still on the air? Take the Seinfeld out. <laughs> just go before you run out of ideas. Yep. All right. So the last thing on our primetime list uh, is uh, Teen Wolf, uh, season two, episode eight, Raving. So what did you think, Carla? I love Teen Wolf. Um, you know, I saw a comment on Twitter where somebody was kind of saying, oh, this episode, nothing really happened. I was like, did you watch the same episode that I did? <laughs> um, you know, I'm like, I mean, the ending was a huge game changer. I mean, what happens when a hunter becomes the hunted? You know, um, for Allison's mom to get bit and presumably will turn into a, a wolf, I mean, 
and all the ramifications behind that. I mean, Allison and Scott, you know, have their love and, you know, yes, they're teenagers, whatever, but they love each other. And, um, you know, but they are from, you know, they're the Romeo and Juliet of this werewolf world. And, you know, now that her mom is being put in this position definitely got to create uh, a divide between Allison and Scott. So it'll definitely be interesting, especially, you know, with Scott now kind of realigning with the pack and, um, you know, and then throw in what's going on with Jackson, which is kind of like, what the heck is that? I know. To um, say nothing happened, that's just bizarre. There's like three big things that happen in the episode. You find I mean, out from Jackson, you know, or, in, you know, in that state that he was in that, that who, that it was a fellow student or somebody that died at the hands of a group of students, you know, way back when is, is who's controlling him. See, I, I must have completely missed that part. So they actually said who's controlling them? Well, they don't say who, but he says... He, it's another student? But he, but he says that, uh, that you know, that he's dead. You know, that the, that, the per, that, they, that the people that he's after killed him. So, well, that was... I don't know that that was... I took that as a theory. I didn't take that as fact. I took that I as he was saying that you were hearing the the person that was controlling him speak, like when they're when he turns into the sort of starts to turn into the kinema that you know they're sort of bonded, and so what you were hearing was, uh, I took it as you were hearing from the person who's actually doing the controlling, and that that person is dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, I don't and know. Was, and the reason that he's going after these other people is is that they're all murderers and he knows that they're murderers because they killed him. Uh, and so that's the, uh, you know, and so it, it, you, you have, you have that, you have, uh, um, and then you have, you know, the, the the hunter mom, you know, trying to kill him and then ends up getting bit, you know, that's a big, that's, that's a big thing. And then you also find out that the counselor, at the school actually does know more about what's going on, you know, at, at you've thought that so far, uh, that she, especially when they found out that the translation that she gave was wrong. But now, you know, with the talk with the veterinarian, you see that she does know more about what's going on. And, uh, and so, you know, that's like three big events, you know, in, well, and there's that other the teacher the that, episode. That other teacher, the guy with the glasses, is that the science teacher? Yeah, um, yeah he's a chemistry teacher. He also seemingly knows something else is going on. Um, but it's See, I, kind of, maybe, I don't know. He but, just seems like a giant red herring. Like they just keep putting him in places to make it seem like. You know, yeah. See, I might be falling for the red herring because I'm thinking he's the one that's like controlling all this. Because why was he at that rave to begin with? Yeah. With the hot twenty-one-year-old, that's, that's <laughs> she was twenty-one, so it's okay. <laughs> I told you I'd see a student here. <laughs> well, uh, and Styles' dad lost his job. I know there was just 
tons of stuff that happened in this episode. So. Well, the one thing I didn't understand is like because I went back and I rewatched that whole fight scene between Derek and the and the mother, and there's like no blood or anything in that scene. Either it was just a poorly filmed scene because like she tries to stab him, then you see this she didn't really stab him with the knife, and then it doesn't look like she gets bit at all. So that's why I was wondering where she even got bit. Like was it? I something- was wondering the same thing. I was like, when did she get bit? He had her up against the wall for a, a, a bit, but you didn't. They didn't specifically like show that scene because they were cutting back and forth between, uh, you know, the, the fight and then him basically dying on the. And uh, but the thing I found interesting was, granted, Derek would be you know somewhat weakened by the the wolf's bane in the air when he came in, but I was wondering like, how strong exactly is the mom? Like, because. <laughs> Yeah, she threw yeah. him. Even I, I go okay. He would be weakened, but he, she still threw him around pretty good. Like in that, in that fight scene. So, I was like, how strong is she? Like just uh, on her own. Well, I mean, what kind of mom, like, tries to kill her daughter's boyfriend, or even just if they were friends, or even just her daughter's like schoolmate for a kiss? I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Except that he's a werewolf, and they kill werewolves, and uh, you know, and she, I know, she but, warned him. But, but she uh, knew this was going on before. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, it's like, why now? Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, is what I think is funny is that like, <laughs> everybody ends up with their own agendas. The mom is after Scott, you know, <laughs> or you know, and and uh, the the rest of I the, got their own plan to get Jackson, and and then. The werewolves have their plan to get Jackson, but they nobody knows what the other one's doing, and so they all screw up the other one's plan, and you know everybody ends up getting away. Uh, but I, I, it was just <laughs> somewhere along the line they're going to have to sort of come together <laughs> to figure to figure this out. Uh, at least to, um, I'm still interested in what what exactly the grandpa is doing. Like what what is his. Uh, what is his agenda? What is he up to? Like, you're because you you think that he's up to something different than what just the whatever their normal plan is, you know? And you know, like he was seemed to be perfectly fine that things didn't exactly work out, uh, you know, the way. Yeah, because I I guess they really did work out the way he wanted them yeah, to. <laughs> you know, it's like unless you're just an optimist. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And so it's inter- I'm interested in like what in finding out what exactly uh he's up to and I I think that's what's interesting about the show is they keep there's you know there's action in each show things move forward you find out more stuff in each episode but yet there's still other things that are left uh for you to try and be like what is going on over here and and it's got you know it moves along <laughs> the the pacing is is really good. I just think, uh, I think they've taken a good page out of the Vampire Diaries of how to move these this type of story along. It must be something about supernatural type shows that film in Atlanta <laughs> that are able to like keep that pace moving. Were you in the Teen Wolf press room at Comic Con? No. Um, because they actually screened Monday night's episode on, um, I think it was Thursday. 
at Comic-Con. So when we were doing the interviews, they, um, I got spoiled. And at one point, actually, like, I guess the look on my face, like, shocked um, Dylan. <laughs> and he's like, oh, sorry, you know, did I, like, spoil that for you? And I was like, that's okay. Um, but they, they um, since you didn't, you can check out the interviews. I've already posted them all, and they're on ClickClack. So um, they provide some insight into kind of what some of these questions that we're asking um, without being too spoilery. So if you have uh, if you haven't watched Monday night's episode, you probably should have turned off this podcast already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's no real spoilers after that. But um, that's what the time you know. codes are for. So you can jump from one segment to the next without. Yeah, being exactly. Spoiled. But you know, they talk a little bit. Uh, the big thing is I. I'm I'm interested in kind of like what some of the romances are going to happen. You know, Derek, um, you know, will Derek ever be able to find love? And, you know, Styles and Lydia or Lydia and Jackson and, you know, stuff like that. Well, I mean, because it, it is still like a the, teenage show. It seemed like there was that other werewolf that admitted that she used to like Styles, right? That was like Lydia? a couple uh, No, I don't think it was no, Lydia. The, the werewolf, the, the one that got... You know the the awkward team that got turned into the now super smoking hot <laughs> werewolf. Oh right, yeah. This the, last episode she did, didn't yeah, she? In the, yeah, in the previous episode she she told Styles that you know she used to have a crush on him. Yes, you. I had a crush on you. <laughs> I gotta tell you, he is Dylan O'Brien. Like, I mean, they kind of like nerd him up a little bit on the show because he's supposed to be kind of the sidekick but in person dylan is like a very attractive young man and you guys have no comments to that so <laughs> and it sounds kind of creepy because you know well, i'm on that note <laughs> well i always find it's always weird talking about you know like when you're thinking about it you're like i like i just said this the smoking hot werewolf you know that right. turned but when you you start thinking about it, you're going okay the character that you're talking about is like what 16 17 (laughs) so that's creepy but yet the actress is like 24 less creepy you know like like, less creepy less less creepy for you know somebody my age to be so you know it's always weird with the with the teen shows when uh you're just like um yeah should i this should I be watching this? This doesn't seem right, you know. But uh, that's funny. Well, it is. It's that dichotomy when you're watching twenty-five-year-olds play sixteen-year-olds. Oh yeah, definitely. Your brain—it <laughs> messes with your brain. You're like, I shouldn't it messes find with a your six- brain. You're like, I shouldn't find a sixteen-year-old attractive, you know, because you're watching this teen drama. Right. But yet, you're finding a 25-year-old woman attractive, so less creepy. So you just have to... It's all in how you think about it. Uh, and on that note, we'll move on to TV on DVD picks uh, for, uh, well, stuff that came out yesterday and uh, next week. Uh, my picks are Eureka Season 5, which came out uh, yesterday, I believe, and uh, the Inbetweeners uh, Complete Series, which... I think did that also come out? That also came out uh, on the seventeenth yep. as well. Uh, I haven't seen the last, <laughs> the last part of uh, the Inbetweeners, but the first couple seasons are uh, very good. So, and I'm interested to see what MTV's done with the uh, U.S. version. I haven't yeah, seen. I, think- I haven't seen the promo for it yet. I mean, it's out there, but I haven't watched it yet. 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to make a judgment because we just talked about Teen Wolf, and uh, and so uh, I'm I'm not going to make a judgment, but I'm I'm tentative on the MTV version after the Skins debacle that they did last time. Because In Betweeners is basically a comedy version of Skins. <laughs> yeah, it's like a British take on American Pie type of thing, and, but in a TV series form. And so I'm interested to see if they've learned anything from their previous, you know, taking a British show and Americanizing it. Uh, it'll be interesting. But the British version is definitely very good, uh, is worth uh, watching. And then yeah. Kyle had that too, and then also you had... Uh, children's uh, For the following week, uh, Children's Hospital Season 3. That's a fun show. I mean, each episode is only 15 minutes, but they managed to cram in more stories than you would get in like a normal <laughs> half-hour sitcom in those 15 minutes. It's amazing how much stuff they can put in there. And it's just like wall-to-wall laughs uh, throughout the episode. So uh, I, I really enjoy that show. All right. That'll uh, that'll. Do it. That'll close out another episode of TV Times Three. Thank you both for uh, coming on and uh, talking about Comic Con and uh, a few shows. Thanks for having me. Thanks. It's always fun to chat. Yeah. And uh, next week, uh, Amory and Ray will be back with me uh, to, uh, and we'll probably have a few Amory stories uh, to, <laughs> to talk about from Comic Con. <laughs> uh, and uh, one last thing, uh, well, before that, uh, and, uh, you know, comments and uh, ratings on iTunes or thumbs up on Stitcher or any place else are always appreciated. Uh, it helps us get found by uh, other people uh, to, to listen to the show as well. Uh, so if you enjoy it, let, uh, you know, let your friends know. And uh, for people that are listening to this episode and are still listening now, I am going to try something... <laughs> I told Kyle about this at Comic-Con, is so far I've been wanting somebody to leave a question for us to answer via voicemail. Uh, while I don't have any TV Times 3 hats, I just had some TVaholic.com hats made up. So I will, I'm trying to bribe the audience with a TVaholic.com hat. The first person that leaves a voice message with a question for us to answer, go to TVTimes3.com and on the left-hand side there's a box that says leave a voice message and you click on it and all you need is a microphone attached uh, to your PC or Mac or whatever you're using and so if you have like a laptop it's got a camera and microphone built into it most likely you just use that and leave a message and make sure that you leave your name and email address in the boxes that it asks you for when you leave the message so that I can contact you to send you a hat I'm trying to bribe the audience to get <laughs> A voicemail message onto the podcast. So that will officially uh, close out the episode. The opening and closing music is brought to you by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And thanks again for both of you coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. We sit glued to the TV set all night and every night. Why go into the outside world at all? We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.